Hey, Dustin, can you hear me? I got the Anchor app. It's Chris here. Ladies and gentlemen of the Bike Shop Boyfriend Podcast, I think Chris Parent is now connected to the podcast. Hey, Dustin, I'm hearing you loud and clear here. Sweet. All right. So technology does work. Um, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, just. Okay. And uh, I've already told folks in the introduction of the podcast, but just for those who are just tuning in, Chris Parent, where do you work? I work at Norco Bicycles, uh, also live to play sports. Okay, okay. So before we get into all that, um, which uh, I guess our listeners are tuning in for, quick, 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 quick question. What is the origin story of how Chris became Chris Parent? Go. How how Chris became Chris Parent? I I think I was born with that name, Dustin. Okay, fair play, fair play. But still, but still, go for it. What, what, what's like episode one? What is issue one, like comic books, origin story of Chris Parent? Uh, well, I grew up in Thompson, Manitoba. Uh, so that's northern Manitoba, 800 kilometers north of uh, Winnipeg. And yeah, I born and raised there for 18 years of my life. I rode a lot of bikes down there and eventually made my way uh, to Winnipeg. Uh, was that like a move family move situation or was that like school or just move out on your own? Yeah, that was actually school. So that was school at which time I started going to university, uh, actually started working in a bike shop down there. And, uh, and yeah, so spent some time in Winnipeg uh, before making my way uh, out west. Okay. And just quick backtrack here. Um, and just full I guess, transparency uh, for our listeners that you and I actually worked together at a bike shop. Um, actually, in my first year, uh, I we crossed paths, I would call it. And uh, yeah, but did you work at a, like another bike shop before that? Or was it like Woodcock? Did you work at Woodcock there for the first bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's how we met. That was pretty cool. Um, actually, my dad had a shop uh, growing up. So that was pretty cool. Uh, that was my first experience, you know, being around bikes, being around the bike industry. It was actually based out of our house. In Thompson, there were no real retailers selling anything higher than, you know, you're just your entry level cross country bike uh, and, you know, kids bikes and basic stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My dad, my dad actually figured out a way to become a, a Cannondale dealer. Oh, really? Our house. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, so if you needed a high-end bike, if you're an actual bike enthusiast, he was the go-to guy. And that was kind of my experience. What got me into the the whole uh, bicycle industry, I guess, from the start was uh, from the very, very humble roots of my dad's shop in our basement. <laughs> hey, no, like got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So when this has always interested me in terms of uh, like, I know you got some uh, bike service mechanical chops i would call it uh in terms of like assembly and servicing and troubleshooting um did i I guess it was like inherited from your dad like your dad taught you a lot my dad was always a much better mechanic than me i've only recently really been starting to get better as a mechanic i've always worked on my own bikes you know worked on bikes in shops but I've always found like truly great mechanics have a bit of attention to detail. That's, you know, it's something beyond what I have. Um, myself personally, you know, I've always been on the, on the sales side of things and definitely get technical when I need to. But um, yeah, I have been developing that lately. I have actually found that problem solving ability more so uh, more lately than, uh, than in the past. I think that's just been out of necessity. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, because um, 
just going to quickly recount a really funny story is that uh, when working with you back in, uh, in the younger days, when we were both much, much more youthful, I will call it, um, we had like a crazy busy Sunday and you and I were working near the service counter at Woodcock. And all of a sudden I saw you just disappear with a bike. And I thought, okay, you're going to like put accessories on it or what have you. And I went about my business and I, I think I sold like two or three bikes during that time. It was like one of those bonkers summer days. Um, you can't stop. You can't breathe. You can't even go to the bathroom. And then I come back and you come out with the exact same bike from behind uh, the curtain kind of thing or the door. And you did, I think, uh, on the spot, full on uh, hub, hub, like I want to say a repacking of the hub set and also bottom bracket and I was just kind of like, dude, your sales, what are you doing? And, uh, yeah, I'd say that's mechanic by necessity rather than design. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where I was kind of like, okay, who is this guy? You know, like, who does that? You know, so I, I was just kind of blown away by that. And um, I was recounting uh, to Camo, who was who has been on the podcast uh, before. And uh, we were recounting in private um, that moment because I think Camo you were working right next to Camo's bench and he was just kind of side-eyeing you a little bit going, okay, what's this guy doing? All right. He looks like he knows what he's doing. Okay. I'll let him do it. Well, now then, that I hear that story, I, I really wonder what I was doing at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that's, that's how like you and I met and back in the old days there, um, which was lots of funny, funny, weird memories actually of, running to red top burger and grabbing burgers and learning about uh donnie cypress there and all that fun stuff the gang as we'll call it and you know what it was it was always a good time it was uh, a part of my life where i was just kind of doing what i liked and and what i enjoyed and then you know later on it, it all looped back around to that there was a point where i kind of just decided like hey why not do what what I like and what I enjoy and why not pursue that. Right. So, yeah. And cause your university background is more in a, I believe, and I'm going by memory. So you'll correct me in a second here, but uh, more of a science slash engineering background. No, actually, no, I did a, I did a business background in university. Well, that's my fail. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's okay. All right. But yeah, that sort of gave you like maybe the insights into uh, brand management and probably to where you're standing today with Norco and, live to play yeah i mean it definitely gave me a solid background it, it was it was great going to school and uh, it really just helps you develop your thinking and understand understand business okay um so let's i guess fast forward to where you are at current day with uh, the origin story here but what brought you to norco and live to play like there's a few other bike brands based out west but why those that one brand split into two there? Well, uh, there's just a little bit of an in-between there maybe because there was a whole whole middle part to this story. Uh, after Winnipeg, I actually ended up in Edmonton for a while. Okay. And while I was there, I was managing a, a bike shop, a BMX shop. Oh, yeah. And so I spent uh, spent quite, quite a bit of time, you know, managing the BMX shop. BMX is really what I was grew up on, what really got me into cycling in general and uh i spent some you know i was about four years uh in, in edmonton doing that after that we made our way i made my way out to vancouver and uh, you know it actually wasn't planned it wasn't planned uh to work for narco live to play mm -hmm. uh, i was just looking for for work looking for something exciting and my life keeps leading me to things like this. And I got fortunate, got the opportunity, and uh, I've been doing that now for, for about two years. I've been working with the business. Okay. And so are you still connected to sort of like your BMX roots, or are you sort of branching out into other uh, genres and spheres of cycling? I call myself an ally with BMX. Like, uh, I'm definitely excited by it. I'm watching it. I follow 
like what's going on in the industry and what's the pro what the products are. I have I'm not riding BMX. I am deliberately not riding BMX. Um, I'm enjoying the amazing riding that we have available to us here in Vancouver around BC. And so that leads to me spending time on my mountain bike, spending time on my gravel bike, um, you know, riding road bikes and just, uh, just really taking advantage of, of the best riding I can. No, like Vancouver has that. So you should. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like I'm not holding that against you. I spent enough time in skate parks, in alleys, in parking lots, you know, hanging out with the boys, getting dirty and, uh, now I'm just in, in forests and, uh, you know, on amazing gravel trails and on, getting dirty. On, on mountains and stuff, getting dirty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not uh, just the boys anymore. There's uh, lots of great ladies that also participate in these sports. So that's that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. And um, just actually in my observation of probably when like my first year working in a bike shop is... I've noticed a huge increase in the marketplace for one uh, female representation in the industry. And then secondly is products suited for that demographic, not just so that it caters to them, but actually makes them comfortable to ride a bike. Yeah. It's actually really an awesome thing. And um, like we have kind of a grassroots women's program and the coolest thing about it, when you actually know how it's, you know, managed and run and why they made those decisions. They just ask the women at the company what, what they think. They ask the women that they know that, you know, that ride our bikes and all, all of the decisions were made by women. So um, Norco uh, has a really good policy, I think, in terms of uh, what they, what they do with their women's bikes and their women's ambassador program. And, uh, you know, I consider myself a feminist too. And I definitely uh, am proud of that. That's good. Yeah. Um, no, no, like, like applause all around, actually. Um, and it's great to see, like, the water lift all boats type philosophy, I would say, for the industry to sort of, it's happening across the entire industry. Yeah, absolutely. Just from an outs or from the retailer side of it, looking uh, at the whole picture, I would call it, um, except for, I would say probably race organization and representation, but that's something beyond our scope. Yeah. 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 For sure. yeah. Um, one thing that I was going to ask you was, uh, so in that transition that went further West, uh, from Edmonton to Vancouver there, um, was it, you sort of did you like get lost on the way to work kind of thing or did you just uh opportunities and interests took you further west yeah you know it's funny like i've always just kind of made these moves and and what happened was i was in edmonton and i made some new friends i i had a group of friends uh that they were they became a really strong group of friends we were hanging out Pretty much uh, every Thursday night, we would be out on White Ave together. We all lived around White Ave. And, uh, yeah, we would go to the same bar every Thursday night. Um, all these guys are actually in a band. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ended up having a really good time together. They would play shows. We would, you know, all, all hang out. We had a big friend group. And they had the idea, like, you know, why are we... We, we, would, we, would, we would say, why are we doing battle out here? Let's go fight the good fight, you know, out, out in Vancouver. Let's play in the big leagues. And and I kept saying no. I'm like, you know, why would I leave? Like, I have a good job. I'm happy and things like that. And over and over and over again, they kept talking about it and kept talking about it. And one day it was like, you know what? Like, got great friends. One out. I've always wanted to come out to Vancouver because of, um, well, it's a beautiful city. Like, I knew the riding was amazing here. I didn't know a lot about Vancouver. I'd only visited once. Mm -hmm. But I did know that, you know, you don't often get that opportunity to just pack up and leave with seven friends. Right. And so we all kind of just packed up together and, and, and headed out here without much of a plan. We were quite lucky to uh, end up finding a place to live. <laughs> yeah. Which is definitely the craziest thing out here is figuring out where you're going to live. Um, 
and you know everything else kind of kind of worked itself out no that's that's awesome like you're living my dream uh, now <laughs> that it's like minus 22 here um and that's celsius for my united states friends there yeah uh, it's, a, it's a little frosty here it, it's getting down to minus two i hate you so and much. uh it's like two between two and minus two it's about our coldest time of the year it's dry right now it's not raining um it's actually a weird year because we don't we the local mountains are just opening up normally they'd be pretty much you know kicking it off right now um we definitely can we're still mountain biking we're still riding any type of bike you want here wow Um, yeah it's pretty cool no that's (laughs) that's it's envious but also kind of i don't know if i can handle rain truthfully like I've, i've thought about this i don't know if i can handle rain you know growing up uh out east in the cold, uh, you just, it was always, there's always these concepts that I didn't understand that I'm just starting to learn about. Like, um, it's raining in the morning and you're riding your bike to work and you think you're going to be cold, but it's 12 degrees out. And so actually mm. you're warm. It's not bad. You know, there's rain falling on you, but you barely notice it because you're warm. And of course you've got good kit on and you have fenders and your bike's awesome. And uh, it works. The, the rain isn't so bad. Uh, the cool thing about our weather here is, yes, we have a lot of rain. Yes, it is gloomy. But then the glory day comes. And the glory, glory day comes at least once every two weeks, you know, where it's just it's not it, bad. It's unbelievable all of a sudden. And you're like, OK, this is amazing. You can see the mountains again. You see the sun. And uh, it's it's pretty great. There's a reason why people want to live here for sure. All right, you're you're winning. <laughs> you're winning. All right, that's that's enough of that. Um, so back to Norco and Lift to Play. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, industry insiders here in Canada will know. Um, Norco is a bike brand, and Lift to Play Sports is its distribution wing arm facet whatever you want a pillar almost right um, yeah well i mean essentially it all started off as narco bicycles um, right right here you know in the area and uh narco bicycles um had a warehouse became a, a distribution company and for years and years and years it was all known known as narco mm-hmm. um, eventually um some some people decided that it's a little bit confusing for a company to have the name as a brand and then also be a distributor and sell, you know, 50 other brands um, across Canada. So um, it was made a distinction that the distributor is called Live to Play Sports, opens us up to sell all sorts of different brands. Uh, and uh, our core brand is Narco Bicycles, um, along with a few other proprietary brands that are, you know, our companies mm-hmm. uh, that we that we distribute. No, and that's like it totally makes sense to have that facet to uh, a bike brand's bottom line, as well as um, it doesn't pigeonhole them and keeps them actually, I would say, more flexible to sort of adjust to the industry's whims yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, but where do you see you work on both sides? Yes. Yeah, I definitely work for for both sides of the company. So my my title will be inside sales rep. So my most uh, my job down to a T is is supporting our retailers. So day to day, I'm dealing with bike shops. Uh, My territory, uh, it consists of Manitoba, where where you guys are at, which is pretty cool. You know, honestly, when I got that territory and I started being able to deal with a shop, say, yeah, a shop I worked at and like people that I knew, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, also Southern Alberta, Alberta gets split up in two cause Alberta is just a big, big, big business. Okay. And, uh, Southern California too, which is, which is really quite cool. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, whereabouts, uh, for Southern Cal do you, we won't talk about Saskatchewan. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, that's just for folks at home. Uh, the Winnipeg-Saskatchewan rivalry. It's our neighboring province. There, it's a long story. Anyways, um, so Southern California. Um, 
whereabouts does that sort of start and finish? Is it uh, San Diego, Sacramento, or San Francisco? Uh, definitely, like, the whole, like, around the L.A. area and then okay. all, all the way south to Mexico. Wow. Uh, okay. Also, we have – I also deal with uh, Las Vegas. Um, okay. Yeah, that's part of our territory as well. So, you know, we have people in, uh, in the field, and I'm basically their support from, from head office. Um, so I, I'm uh, – yeah, I'm there for the dealers. I'm making sure orders get out. I'm – I'm the day-to-day grinder. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, essentially that's, that's the core part of what I do. And okay. then um, I'm also uh, direct consumer customer support for Norco, mm-hmm. uh, as well as another brand that we, we have, which is co- called Axiom Cycling Gear. So Axiom does racks, panniers, fenders. Um, and uh, yeah, I deal directly with consumers for both of those brands. And uh, so if anyone reaches out to us online, social media, through our websites, um, they end up, uh, yeah, speaking with me. And, um, uh, you know, all, there's also a lots of other kind of special projects that, that we get involved at. I think, I think a lot of our customers think that we're just literally just answering the phone, but mm-hmm. it's like, that is what we're doing. Of course, among tons of other stuff <laughs> yeah no 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 like it's one of those um as someone who also deals with social media everyone thinks that i'm at my computer just messing around on twitter and facebook but they don't see the behind the curtain stuff of you know taking photos uh reaching out to brands to make sure things are okay to post and um lining things up for you know what to show when when and all that fun stuff like the logistics of stuff yeah you're definitely uh quite the specialist though in the social media i I really like your you know your um your stories and stuff the way that you do that (laughs) for the bike shop or for my own account for both like i can't believe like i don't know that that must be a lot of work um it it's fun so it's not necessarily work. So it, it's often enjoyable. Yeah. It, the, the troubling part is when um, uh, the boss who runs the shop, Phil, I've mentioned him a few times on the podcast. Uh, he's shout not out, terribly. Shout, shout out, Phil. Shout out, shout out to Phil, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's not the most, and you've probably had experience with it, uh, the most articulate communicator. No, at first I, I, I did not understand that. And then, uh, you know, uh, I just learned that that was his style. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so it's very interesting when you deal with him and he's trying to communicate what he wants to see on social media without having any, he doesn't go on social media. Like the man tells me what to do on social media and yet he himself doesn't see it. So it's weird. He's a man of few words, but, yeah. uh, he, he makes decisions and uh, he's very fair and yeah. uh, he obviously runs a good shop. Are, are you trying to like get a job with us? <laughs> I think I almost do have a job with you guys. I'm pretty sure you do. I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> uh, things don't work out in Vancouver. You could always come back. Um, yeah. But uh, no, 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 no. It's just really humorous actually for some of the social media projects he's had me on. Uh, just, okay, well, let's actually give folks an example here. Uh, there's a recent post. Are we allowed to talk about the the bike that I can't talk about? No, that is December 12th that you can okay. talk about said bike that you can't talk about. Okay, so we're just going to call it, we'll allude to it, there's a bike. Um, so I was told that the bikes were in-house, but I can't take photos of it due to media embargo, which is fine. We can only allude to it. We can't actually say what it is. Um, and I had to think of a creative way to like get, hype about it so i have myself uh somewhat blocking the identification of the boxes actually in one shot i took actually you could see like the name of the bike on three of the of the boxes so i had to like edit and crop and oh god it was it was fun it was fun without showing off any of the bike well you know you did you did what you could I, I did what I could. I did what I could. <laughs> but that being said, um, 
December 12th and 13th. I'm very excited about what uh, Norco is going to be putting out. Um, just to sort of uh, confuse people, I'm going to talk about a different bike uh, just to get off the subject really quickly. You got a chance to wait. Can we talk about uh, VLT? The site? Yes. Yeah, the site's released. Okay, good. Whew. Um, that would have been really bad. And we've sold, <laughs> we've sold we've sold a lot of them, and I know consumers have them already. It's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And I've seen them pop up. I just didn't know if I can talk about it. But now that I can, um, the site VLT. It's a you'll have to run me through it. I believe it's a enduro e bike. So it, it's actually all we classify that as all mountain. So it's it's a, a little bit you know less travel than an enduro bike. A okay. little bit less slack, essentially the site can ride anything you can take it all the way into the bike park Mm -hmm. uh at at whistler uh it's not the ideal bike for that you can ride it all day uh kind of in the local mountains that we have here and you can even take it out a little bit to you know some more tame stuff uh um you know in alberta and getting more towards what style riding you have it's a little bit heavier than uh what i would really like to be on riding in manitoba uh, but it's it's such a fun, awesome bike, and uh, yeah, the site VLT is our our new e bike that uh, uh, is based on the site platform. Yeah, and with that being said, I'm actually very very excited with the industry by and large, but really with what Norco is doing with the site platform in terms of integrating that battery to not necessarily make it look like a massive down tube. Yeah, it was a the it was really cool because the the motor and the battery, the production time lined up with uh, when we wanted to release the bike that we were able to get the latest battery with the latest motor to give us the slimmest frame. I think that's really out there. It's also worth noting that we have a higher battery capacity than I think um, any of the bikes that I've seen. It's six hundred and thirty watts. So oh. not only is it super slim but it's a really high capacity battery. And like, what kind of range is coming off of that e-mountain bike? You know, I don't know exactly in terms of kilometers because it, uh, it, it varies based on the rider and the weight and the conditions. Right. We, we have tested it and I've tested it in terms of like meters of elevation. So um, in steep mountainous terrain, uh, and very steep, specifically on Burke, Burke Mountain, and mm-hmm. and uh, on Burke, like the climb is the climb is brutal when you go all the way to the top. It's it's over an hour, it's over an hour of climbing, and it's steep and it's hard. And I've actually never done it without taking a couple breaks on the way up. Right. Uh, anyways, uh, Tadeus, our, our our engineer on the bike, he he put it in turbo mode and went to the top. I think it was three times for about fifteen. 100 meters uh, of climbing uh i've taken it out to and rode it in squamish and i've done about 1800 meters of climbing i wasn't in turbo i was in trail uh i was in eco mode uh i did i did hit turbo sometimes on the hard parts to really like kick me up up the mountain Mm -hmm. um i think i could have got it easily up to 2000 meters of climbing uh on that battery so basically I don't know. You have a whole, I'd say, in, in, you have the whole afternoon to ride that bike uh, for sure in like the best type of terrain, you know, climbing, 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 and then ripping down. So, would you, I'm, I'm actually always very hesitant about e mountain bikes just because I f- would feel I would forget that it's in maybe turbo and go on a descent. And well, freak the, myself out, the and thing wrap myself around a tree. The thing is, is the the motor is barely working when you're when you're descending. Oh, okay, it, does it kick out? It it it's not really kicking in at all because for the most part you're not pedaling. Oh, you that's know? true. That's true. The, the motors are quite smart, and the bike rides like a bike. Oh, okay, it, it's not a motorcycle. It's not a dirt bike. It's a bicycle. Really, what I've found with my experience with e-bikes it just makes you feel more like a pro. Like you have, like your legs are a lot stronger, Mm -hmm. you know? So you get more laps in, you have 
more fun. Honestly, I had so much fun that uh, out there riding that bike. I uh, I rode more more laps. I think I did like seven or eight laps that day, and uh, yeah, it, it's wild. Like at the end of the day, I was just all smiles and my legs weren't sore. <laughs> That's not a bad day, then. That's not a bad day, especially with that kind of climbing. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a bad day. I mean, it's gonna be a little bit of time before, you know, people really adopt them. We are seeing huge numbers uh, coming out of Europe for yeah. for for e mountain. It's still new in North America, but the people that get it, they get it. And what's really interesting, actually, I just met a met a, a new new buddy, and he's grown up in in North Vancouver on the North Shore his whole life. Um, and he's a mountain biker, hardcore mountain biker. And, you know, he's got an e-bike. He's got, he's got a specialized. And, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy that I would suspect, you know, wouldn't get it, but he gets it. And he loves it. He's like, man, after work, I go rip like four or five laps. And it's so fun and it's so fast. And we can just get all that in when normally it would be like, you know, a couple laps. And, and that's all you can do you know, in the evening. So, um, e-bikes are definitely something to watch for, for the next little while. They're not going to replace, you know, our, our, our regular mountain bikes, but, uh, they're definitely not, uh, they're definitely, you know, they definitely are real bikes and there are a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's sort of what I've noticed on demo rides and just, uh, puttering around myself with, uh, e-mountain bikes. I'm not, terribly sold on them for drop bar bikes just due to the i would call it like fast response traffic situations yeah well you know it it does depend on on different things i saw a giant i think giant just put out their new e-gravel bike uh yes yeah yeah Yeah. and and i saw that and i actually commute to work uh, on a gravel bike and it's 25 kilometers each way. And I ride on road. I ride on gravel. I ride on something that's kind of approaching single track. And when when I'm doing that five days a week, you know, day four, I'm thinking like, man, like this is the same. And it's beautiful, but it's the same every day. It'd be cool if this was 20 minutes faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, not a bad thing. So, you know, I don't know about road yet, but uh, there, there's a bike for everyone. I know my dad's getting older, and he would love an e-road bike. Um, he would love to just be able to go out there and keep the pace that he used to be able to, to, to ride and, like, more power to him. And, and, and for commuting for a city, like, I don't know. I am definitely keeping an open mind. I'm going to try them, and I think there's a reason why you know there's a reason why they're 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 growing and definitely here you see a ton of e commuters mm-hmm. um and um yeah it's great it's a whole new market and it's we're, we're definitely excited about it so with that being said do you think that there's going to be something similar to the uh e-car electronic car uh infrastructure that there's um docking stations slash recharge stations becoming available at parking stalls for bikes yeah like do you think that's gonna happen or well i've actually heard that in europe they have like uh docking not docking stations but charging stations on on the top of trailheads oh really okay cool cool yeah so extend your ride you know like power up uh at the top of the mountain uh i'm not sure how that works or whether or not that's actually true but i i have heard about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I was just thinking like, okay, for like commute sort of situations, you know, you, late wake up, late shower, all that fun stuff. And then you run and go. And then you realize you only have like four bars left of power and juice to make it to work. And yet you, you forgot your charger and this and that, you know. Oh, dude, you can still pedal the thing. It's still a bike, right? Yeah, but uh, it's it... also heavy. man. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it's a leg day deal with it <laughs> yeah it's a leg day that those days absolutely um so on that actual tangent what are you seeing uh right now that is um that norco is doing that is somewhat exciting you in going forward well um hmm, what am i excited about we just got announced that we we just announced that we are the title sponsor for 
uh, Canadian uh, Enduro Series. Hey! So, yeah, we're actually sponsoring, uh, you know, the series of races that's uh, mostly happening, you know, around here, but also all the way as far as, far as Quebec and Ontario. And it's quite cool that, uh, you know, we're, we're getting back into these grassroots efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Haycock, a.k.a. The Grizz, uh, he's been working for the company forever. And uh, for about one season now, uh, he has shifted from sales into being, um, let's say, our, our demo and events um, driver. Okay. So it's pretty cool because he's always been pretty you know definitely the right guy for that man jason loves his van he loves his we call it he calls it windshield time (laughs) (laughs) he he loves getting out on the road and spreading the stoke and we just invested in a new you know a new company vehicle for him and you know every year there's a new demo fleet and so he's definitely going to be involved with you know getting out to all the races uh, where he was already attending, but now, you know, in a bigger capacity. So, um, and we've got guys even in our customer service department that ride in those races. So like, it's pretty cool that, uh, that we're going to be sponsoring those events. It just means, uh, you know, more fun for us because that's one of the things that's the best about working for a bike company is when you get that day out of the office or that a couple days for that real experience where you, you know, you get to go out to the event, you get to hang out with everyone and, and ride bikes and have a lot of fun. Um, so definitely, you know, excited about that. Um, excited about, you know, our custom kit program. Hey, when, when, when did that happen? Tom? Okay. We got to mention uh, a third party to usual, uh, between Chris and myself, there's a third guy named Tom yeah. who works with us. He didn't mention any of that. Well, I mean, that was already launched last year, right? So we, we definitely oh, okay. we had that in Canada last year okay. uh, where you could go on Norco.com, you know, customize your site. And, uh, you know, you choose your suspension, you choose your frame color, you choose your component package. So we're expanding upon that program. And, uh, it's currently on Norco.com. It's, it, the existing program is still on there with 2018 bikes, uh, but there's going to be more options for 2019. We're moving into the future. We're going to be able to take payment directly from consumers on the website, fulfill those bikes through retailers. And of course, that's going to be available on a wider basis. Um, going to be moving into the U.S. with that as well, which uh, is really exciting because the we're, 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 we are an established brand in Canada and many <laughs> other markets. Um, the U.S., we are, it's where we're growing. It's growing. It's exciting. Uh, people want our bikes there. We're, in the U.S., we're exotic. And, <laughs> and hey, people, it's, it's like that fancy Canadian food you hear about. Yeah, we, you know, we, yeah. Put, we put maple <laughs> leaves on all of our bikes. We're, we're proud to be Canadian. Yeah. Uh, we're from the testing ground for mountain bikes. And, uh, you know, uh, I think people recognize that. I think people really enjoy our bikes. And uh, it's a cool, different brand for them uh, in the U.S., where they're used to seeing a lot of other companies. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Like, um, I would say in a weird sort of territorial map of things, uh, I guess just to give listeners an idea, Specialized is mostly West Coast, California. Giant also has their office uh, west coast, and then uh, Trek would be more central Midwest up in Wisconsin. Um, and then I'm trying to think who's out east, like eastern New York area. Like who's based there? You know, you know. Actually, I, I'm not too sure. Yeah, about me neither. That, right? right? Like it, being on the west coast, coast, that's you know all, all all I think about. Right? <laughs> no, as as one should, as one should. Sunshine, <laughs> surf, and mountains. Uh, that's usually the way it goes, right? Yeah. Um, I noticed that for 2019, that Norco is doing something very, very interesting for me, uh, as someone who's taken up, uh, the gravel, uh, bug slash virus epidemic, um, is that you have something called dirt drop bars and that you no longer are carrying race bikes for 2019. Um, what do you know, like what the decision was to go with that? Or is there something, uh, 
that you can expand upon for that or comment? You know, I guess I, I, I love I love dirt drop bar. Yeah, I love that term. I think it's I think it's awesome, and uh, we're we're all we're all stoked on it. Um, so we have been involved in, in obviously in race bikes. The tactic was a great race bike. It's fast. You know, that was my first bike mm-hmm. when I, when I started working for Narco, I had to choose a bike and I'm like, man, you know what? I need a road bike. I need to ride the tactic. And that's, that's the bike I chose. And I loved it, especially the build that I had. It was just the Altegra model, uh, simple alloy wheels, but man, that thing was light and fast. And I loved it. It was a great way to get to know the city, get to know the area, get out there. And uh, I rode it all the way to Whistler, get, getting involved in the, the Whistler Grand Fondo. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a beautiful bike. Um, but kind of what we decided was to, was to you know, pick our battles and, and really focus on where, where we're successful, where people, you know, um, are, are stoked on the brand and when our tires hit the dirt people like our bikes so the the idea was that uh, we're not a race brand uh, we're a mountain bike company and uh, we're going to focus on you know bikes that are involved somewhat at least in uh, off-road as far as our like flagship bikes of course we we make city bikes uh, if you're ever in Vancouver, you see Norcos everywhere. Um, one of my favorite things to do is like go to the beach, you know, hang out on the seawall and like look at all the Norco bikes go by. <laughs> 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 it's, it's not just Norcos. I mean, it's kind of a weird, uh, weird, but you probably understand it. Like when you see bikes go by, like my girlfriend always thinks that I, I'm checking people out, but like really I'm just looking at their bikes. I 100% <laughs> agree that this is for sure a cyclist thing that you don't see the rider, you see their bike and you know, weirdly enough, more about the rider than just by looking at the bike. It's sort of like this weird Sherlock moment of you could totally tell that person's life story of, you know what, they're a cat three rider because they're riding with dirty bar tape, you know, like that kind of weird analysis thing but also oh i know that person i know their bike i don't know the person i know the bike i get a lot of that so yeah definitely especially working in the shop i'm sure that happens to you all the time too often too often but no uh your girlfriend shouldn't uh ever have to worry it's really you checking out bikes and not people so yeah that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) um so that being said, uh, the fact that they're picking their battles, um, one huge, huge, um, it's actually a huge staff favorite for us in the bike shop that I work at is the revamped and redesigned uh, Norco scene that came out. I want to say it's been two years now. Yeah, the scene. Yeah, yeah we've had that for, for two years now. Yeah, as it is now. Um that bike is by far one of the most popular bikes because it's so well balanced and so unassuming that it just sells itself in a lot of ways to like everybody, you know, why not make a bike that rides well? Exactly. Thank you. Right. <laughs> like my goodness, my only caveat is for like the guys that are like six two that try and ride the extra large bike just in the box a longer stem right out of the gate would have been great but other than that that's my only critique about it but it's hard to size someone who's taller than six two i'll admit we're we're definitely still shy around the biggest sizes of bikes um so the company does play it safe and, and that's just you know being responsible as far as making sure everyone gets paid <laughs> no agreed that's agreed yeah no product management is huge um Actually, even on that note of and mentioning product management, um, I have to say, like from a retailer side of it, Norco is actually one of the better bike brands that has. Uh, when they say they have stock, they got stock. Yeah, yeah, um, it's one of the great things. I got a little story about the scene, actually. Oh, go for it. Um, yeah, it was a pretty fun one. On that one was one where we all got involved in it. Uh, they, the the engineers, one day. Um, set up a little obstacle course when they were designing the scene in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And they had a whole bunch of different scenes set up with different geometry and stuff like that. And we all did blind tests. 
and we all rode a whole bunch of different bikes. Uh, we filled out a survey, tried to figure out like which one rode the best. I guess that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And um, it was pretty cool. I think that really helped with, with how the bike feels. And there's a lot of small things on it that were done to, to make it a good bike. I mean, it was kind of funny to see like all these Eagle and XTR equipped uh, scenes because <laughs> that's uh that's a sight yeah because they were i mean the way it works is kind of they get they get the frame kit uh they get the frame you know from factory and stuff like that and then a lot of the parts come from things we have in the office and if you're a product manager you definitely have years of cool bike parts kicking around and uh, lots of different builds and lots of stuff that you can use to build up your prototypes and stuff like that. So usually the the components on their bikes are pretty good. <laughs> That's kind of awesome, actually, that there's a 12-speed SRAM Eagle scene that existed. It did exist, yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. So what, what, did you like give it a rating based on, Dan, this thing has 12-speed. Yeah. Well, that was our... There you go. That was the first impression was like, you, you get on the bike and you're like, wait, what a second. How are we specking this? This makes no sense. And then you realize, oh, okay, that has nothing to do with, you know, why we're out here today. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty cool experience. That's definitely one where um, the scene we didn't, uh, we didn't go lean on. We, we bought it. We, like, we, we, we put in a ton from factory mm-hmm. and then we sold them all. Yes, you did. And then we had to make a lot more, and uh, it's continuing forward with some new colors. And um, yeah, it it it's been successful. Uh, it's definitely definitely one of our cool little urban bikes, and uh, yeah, it's been great. It's definitely one of those bikes that uh, I know some of my fellow coworkers at the shop they picked it up as like their grocery getters, and that their loved one at home that they. Uh, either it's like another sibling or if they're cohabitating with a partner, uh, that partner or sibling is stealing the bike constantly that they never get to ride it. Yeah. I mean, it's that kind of like good buzz I would say about the bike. If you ever see like some of the, the photos and the imagery on Norco's website or in their social media, this one really cool thing is that's all staff. That's all staff or friends or family or, or, or riders that are, associated with it and like literally like that bike was designed for families to put uh you know put a trailer bike on there and have pull your kids around and then it's a lot easier um you know for for dad to hop on there's a really cool picture of uh, sean who's our graphic one of our graphic designers you know on that bike um you know pulling a kid on a trailer bike and it's just it's just designed to be a cool urban bike no i 100 agreed it's I can't say good things about it except for like the extra large stuff just needs like a stem, but then we just swap the stem and life is good. Um, (laughs) It's a weird, it's a weird critique, but it's real. Um, Especially when I have to do a bike fit on that bike. It's, it's humorous for me. Yeah. But who else on earth is doing a bike fit for a narco scene besides Dustin White? Yeah. You know, um, that's, I call that the, uh, the beyond service that I like to sort of cater to. Are you getting the protractors out for that one, or is uh, that, is that yeah. more of a bot yeah, by eye? <laughs> I bring out the plumb bob and everything. Um, yeah, it's it's all about making sure those contact points are looking pretty good, and that there's a, um, yeah, for like the really tall guys, you really want to make sure that they're not T Rexing on the bike. Contact points. That's almost an inside joke around the office. That has to be an inside <laughs> joke. Like that's almost a drinking game. Um, not that I encourage inter-office mm-hmm. drinking, but there should be. Um, it is West Coast. Come on, that's a life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are uh, where do you sort of see like the brand going? Like, I know they're sort of dropping uh, racy drop bar bikes and really taking on uh, e-bike platforms, urban style dirt drop bars. Um, but where do you see sort of Norco going? And I'm not saying you have to share like insider information, just as an employee, where do you sort of forecast the brand going? You know, it, 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 that's definitely an interesting question. I definitely think we're going to be growing more uh, globally. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one thing that uh, we're still a small company. Um, we're definitely big in some countries. We're huge in Canada, growing in the U.S. We've got a good 
we've got a good foot, a footprint in Australia, um, in Europe. Uh, we're still growing. So uh, I definitely see the brand expanding uh, kind of across um, across the world. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of new bikes, well, you're going to be seeing some new stuff from us. December, December 12th, we're, we're releasing a new bike. And, you know, there's definitely going to be more new bikes being released uh, in the in the short while, some that are known and some that are completely unknown to people. Uh, so there's always going to be new bikes. Um, and the company's just going to keep designing bikes that people in the company want to ride. And that's that's one thing that I've really, really noticed. It, 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 that's that's what it's been all about. We've always just made bikes that we wanted to ride ourselves um so it's pretty cool it's pretty exciting um if you see our product managers on strava they're real riders they're fast and that, <laughs> made, <laughs> and that makes me proud and uh, and yeah besides that uh, there's going to be some some changes with the way that we we sell our bikes mm-hmm. uh, and there's going to be some changes with you know how we interact with customers because um, we are growing into the way that we communicate with customers. We've invested in new technology and people are going to be able to, you know, get in touch with us. Like we, we know, and we know that companies for a long time have uh, avoided contact directly with, with consumers. Yeah. And we are, we're preparing and we're getting ready and, uh, um we want to be there for our riders um and uh and that's all that's all that's all changing and uh, we already talked directly with a lot of people and we're just preparing for how we can really really help people um enjoy their their norco bikes no and like that's a fabulous answer to be honest um yeah especially on the uh the sort of business to consumer uh, sort of model instead of business to business. Uh, that's the way bike shops and the brands work uh, is business to business, but business to customers, the rider and the brand can actually have a conversation, which is super interesting. And I think it's slash about time. It's definitely about time. Yeah. We know, we know it's about time and believe me, like, of course we want to talk, talk to consumers. We have to do it in a way that works. And uh, with with uh, the resources that we have, we're 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 a global company. Yeah, people may not understand that that means. Well, you know, we've got seven people in our customer service team out west, and uh, in Toronto, we have you know about the same. And um, we're 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 changing our ways and figuring out how to you know best serve the customers continue working with our dealers and like just get everyone stoked about about riding and uh riding our bikes yay um i had had to throw in the the applause there actually i might do that in post edit we'll see see if i can layer (laughs) that in there um but what outside of now just to sort of take it into a more macro view and i guess you've kind of already answered it but if you want to add anything uh what are you seeing right now that maybe will come to pass that you're currently excited about the industry. Now you don't have to say anything about your brand, but it could just be your observations being somewhat um, in that tier above where I'm at. Um, in the industry. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big change. Just that we've talked about macro is, is about how brands are communicating with customers. Um, that's, that's definitely changing how we're delivering bikes to customers. And then, uh, how bike shops play into into the conversation, mm-hmm. you know. Great bike shops are something truly special, and um, bike shops have evolved just like companies have evolved, just like consumers have evolved. Everyone has new demands, everyone ex- has new expectations and, and and new roles to play in, in the situation. Um, so, I mean, macro from the business standpoint, I, I think we're just going to see, you know, continuation with there being room for brands that sell directly to the consumers and never deal with a bike shop. There's definitely room for, for bike shops to fit in the picture. Um, there's room for traditional companies, but, uh, you know, we'll see things going through different channels and changing, but in the end, uh, we just got to put butts on bikes. 
<laughs> no, agreed. No, agreed. Hundred percent, man. Um, yeah. No, that's uh, that's a great macro view there. Um, yeah. So, what about some riding? You gonna ask me all about? Uh, yeah, about this amazing riding I've been doing. Or what? Well, I'm not really going. I'm only on Zwift right now, and my life is sad. But how's the riding out west? Well, you know, um, it's better than it's ever been for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so yeah, growing up in Manitoba, you know, I dabbled in I dabbled in cross country mountain biking. Uh, actually, working at Woodcock was what finally what was what kicked off road biking for me. And at the time, that was fixies, man. That was fixies. Everyone had these bikes around the shop, and I didn't quite, you know, I'm like, well, what are those things? Why is everyone riding? that type of style of bike and um you know living in edmonton was it was quite similar as fixies and not really mountain biking too much riding bmx having a good time but coming out to bc it's just unbelievable here for for mountain biking and, and uh you know more recently gravel riding mm-hmm. uh, making making sure all my ki- my kit is uh, fully gravel compatible very important i don't think you talk enough about gravel compatibility on your podcast okay all right something to look forward to (laughs) something to look forward to anything that uh that you want to put in for your two cents there for uh gravel compatibilities i just want to make sure that everyone knows that gravel compatibility is very serious and that if your (laughs) kit is not fully gravel compatible your tires should should stay off the gravel the gravel is uh, a special special place for us Uh, um good yeah and you must it must be 40 you must have 700 by 40 or wider they're not gravel compatible must stay on the road and uh definitely tubeless and uh, yeah i mean i mean 650b you're you're doing you're doing even better uh, but, uh the promised land is 650b isn't it uh you know i have actually I'll, I'll admit i haven't i haven't got there yet i'm still riding the 700s but pretty much everyone is riding 650 and that will be that will be the next step is kind of kind of kind of uh, for me probably trying that out. Um, yeah, I mean we've got a, an awesome commute to work. It, it's pretty cool, um, and it took a while to figure it out because at first it was awful, like riding on these just shitty roads through uh, um, industrial areas because obviously we're a big warehouse and we're we're around a bunch of you know, tons of vehicles and other big warehouses and stuff like that. And the, and the path to get there, if you ride the roads, isn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. But over time, um, you know, riding into work, talking with other people that work there, riding with them. Actually, there's a really cool um, trail network that we can that we can ride. Uh, it's a little bit longer, uh, but we get to ride over, uh, ride past two lakes. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Through the, a uh, lot of it's, I'd say, 60 percent off-road maybe 50 percent off-road uh hard packed gravel and uh, dirt and you know some road in the middle and then uh, yeah a little bit of trail that kind of approaches single track and uh, it's a really fun fun commute it's 25 kilometers uh, I, I don't know what that is in miles for your american it, listeners it doesn't matter they'll yeah they'll, they'll figure it out but uh it's a nice long continuous ride and it's perfect for the, like I ride it on the search XR, um, which is our adventure bike. Um, that's our category also known as gravel. Uh, adventure is fully gravel compatible. Do not worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a great time. I, I started, uh, last season I rode a carbon search XR. Mm-hmm. And I love the bike. I kind of built up a wonder bike just because I could fancy carbon wheels on it. And um, I, I built something that was, was still fast on the road. Uh, and this year I've actually switched over to our, our Kermali uh, Search XR. So I'm riding the completely stock Kermali uh, Search XR Rival. Okay. Which um, it's an awesome bike. And going from carbon to, to steel, uh, it feels good, man. Yeah, like any sort of insights you can share? Well, steel's heavier. Okay. Um, that's, it, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. It, it's heavier. You notice it a bit going uphill. Um, but from a day-to-day standpoint, 
like what bike do you want to ride down to the pub and uh, and lock up and, and go have a drink or or you know what bike do you want to take into the city what bike do you want to uh use and abuse it's like do you want to do you want to take the carbon wonder rock ro- rocket pardon me or uh you know ride ride the durable steel bike and yeah uh, so I've, I've gone with the steel bike this season i really wanted to see the difference and you know i'm riding tubeless now um and i've gone from two by to one by and um or do you have the xd driver on yours yeah the the apex the apex model which is the model below does not have the xd driver and then the rival model does have the XD driver. So I get the one tooth smaller cog on the back, uh, which, okay. is one, which is one of those like little specs that uh, you have to dig pretty deep to notice. <laughs> yeah. For someone who uh, doesn't ride much mountain bikes, uh, I did notice it when I was shifting around and going up like a 20% gradient for 800 meters. It was nice to have a 42 tooth uh, to bail me out. So. Yeah, going from two by to one by is really interesting, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, you definitely feel the the cadence changes. I, I I can I can attest to that. Like that's definitely a big difference. Um, I like the simplicity of it. I oh, I love the simplicity. That's gold stars all around for everyone. Yeah, and it it looks clean and it works great. And I don't know which one's better. That one, I think the jury's still out on that one. I really think it will come down to where you're riding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't foresee it. Like, I see it forever being a part of, uh, like, Dirty Kanza and uh, Land Run 100. Um, the big name gravel races that are coming about and sort of getting prominence and getting big. And I would almost call it rotified in a weird way where it's becoming serious. Are you seeing more two buys on that type of riding? I'd imagine so. No, actually, I'm still seeing a lot of one by. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, the exception would be of note, uh, Shimano sponsored athletes that they're using um, uh, two by Durace or Di2 Altegra type systems. Yeah, that um, new that new clutch derailleur that they have. Yeah, yeah. I've I've yet to ride with it, uh, mostly because they don't have a bike that needs it. Um, but yeah, because my current gravel bike, and I'll totally be forthcoming, is that mine's a Norco Search XR as well. Um, that you helped me out with at the last minute with like two weeks to go before my big race. Uh, <laughs> that was a poop storm of a day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, going from one by, or sorry, a two by Altegra system to a one by SRAM Apex system. Um, yeah, That's it was game changing. changing, so. It's just the cadences that I can't wrap my head around still. So, because I'm too yeah. much of a roadie, I'm told. So, you're definitely a roadie. That's I'm, sure. I'm 100% a roadie. <laughs> you were, you are always a roadie. I always was. Yeah, I was leg shaving when you met me. <laughs> Grow a beard, but I leg shave. It's hilarious. That's it took my... me a, coming from a BMX background, mm-hmm. man, it took me a long time to cross the Lycra divide. Really? Like, when did you have your uh, your come up and my first lycra experience was actually uh not even that long ago man maybe... <laughs> really <laughs> yeah maybe like four years ago three years ago four years ago i'd say i did i went uh i was going bicycle touring i was okay. preparing preparing to go on a tour around uh around the rocky mountains and i was like you know this is probably the time <laughs> commit <laughs> commit to the to the breathable fibers yeah, I, I I committed and uh, I have not looked back since since then. Like the uh, real question is, did you go full in? Like, did you have uh, the chamois cream baptism or? Actually, no, I've never used that. Wow. Okay, you're running uh, rough rod there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't experienced that, and uh, I very rarely ride a chamois when I when I'm mountain biking. Uh, so you know, I'm still I'm still new to that world. All right. Hey, yeah. teach their own. Um, I recommend diaper rash cream for anything that happens. Uh, just keep it dry. It washes out with shampoo. Um, just for your own safety there, you know. I think the topic is changing. Uh, very quickly here. Very I'm quickly, sorry, yeah. listeners. It really took a quick downturn here at uh, at the hour mark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I guess on that note, we should maybe uh, wrap things up, but I really want to give you the chance. Um, it's going to put you a bit on the spot, but is there a question that you would like to ask the listeners of the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast? Any question that you might have, I call it sort of like a question of the day that my guests get to ask. If you got one, this is your chance. Um, wow. Question of the day. So uh, I guess my question of the day uh, for, you know, for your listeners mm-hmm. would be, what do you guys think about gravel compatibility? As a hashtag or as like a, a Voluminati type rule thing? How serious are you guys about your gravel bike? There we go. Is it is it your passion? Is it a side hobby between the other types of riding that you do? Um, do you guys ever think that it's really going to be a main uh, type of riding? Or is it always going to be something that falls in between, somewhere between a mountain bike and a road bike? Uh, is it always going to be uh, something that someone rides in addition to the other bike that they ride? Or do we ever see that becoming uh, a main style of riding? There you have it. That's a great uh, question of the day question. I'm just going to add my quick little observation. This is where I feel gravel bikes will jump the shark is that when they start adding suspension and flat bars, oh, that's, that's where I feel that cycling will jump the shark. Hey man, don't knock until you try it. Nope. Wait, that's, called it. A cross, that's a cross country bike, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. Isn't it? <laughs> that's what I said, that's... man. That's when it, we've done the full loop, which, uh, you know, it's going to happen, I'm sure. Yeah, it'll be like the next big thing. And yeah, it's it's just the way the industry goes sometimes. We're all going to ride 90s mountain bikes. Uh, it's it's already happening. Yeah, well, it's cool. <laughs> all right. Well, there you have it. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for chatting. And we'll definitely do this again sometime. Yeah, great to talk to you, Dustin. Thanks a lot. Have a good awesome. one. Awesome. You too. Cheers, Bye. big guy. just want to thank uh chris perrin for coming on to the bike shop boyfriend podcast um yeah how about this uh conversation this was like a good one i'm stupid stoked about it um if you would like to hear from uh any other of the big players in the cycling industry uh leave a comment below if you got questions for chris uh if you would like to leave your answer for his question of the day please put it at the bottom i will pass it on to him uh there'll be a bit of a follow-up so stay tuned for that thank you so much for listening to the bike shop boyfriend podcast i highly appreciate it if you liked what you heard today leave a rating on wherever you are uh listening to this podcast i get the ratings i get to see the comments i get to see all the good stuff i love it i feed off of it thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode Oh, <laughs> my